to the Love Anarchy Podcast in the Relationship Rebellion, where we go deep about love, relationships, and dating. And today, we're going to talk about the vulnerability container as it helps you move into deeper intimacy and connection and how having this container for relationships can heal with the challenges that we've been facing with online dating, having our wounds cause us to not commit fully to relationships, infidelity, and especially not knowing yourself and healing yourself. Our guests, Sally Horobin and myself, are going to be talking about this container and how it's going to help deepen the relationships, and heal relationship trauma that can only be healed in the context of a relationship. Welcome, Sally. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So you've been jet-setting around the world, haven't you? I have. I have. I've been, um, I was flying for several days to get over to the UK from Australia. So it's been, yeah, it's been quite the journey. Yes, it has. It's, it's exciting though, huh? It is. It is. It's very exciting. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about where you have come from. Um, I started off my journey um, just trying to heal myself, basically, trying to uh, figure out why I did things in certain ways, why I, you know, um, the traumas that I had, all of that kind of thing. So it was basically born of just wanting to figure out my own stuff. And, um, and then that went into the shamanic work and the first shamanic ceremony I sat, it was in my bones. I remembered it. I remembered doing it. Um, and I was just, I needed to do it. And so I got in contact with the facilitator the next day and said, will you apprentice me? And, um, and she said, yep, it'll be 10 years. And I was like, okay, sure. And it was just one of those big trust falls, you know, I very much like this trip that I'm on right now um very and I find my big moments of transition in my life do happen when I have that big okay I'm just gonna trust and let go and just something is pulling me in this direction I don't know what it is I can't explain it but I'm gonna go so yeah yeah so you really just know in your heart yeah spirit and your soul that it's the right thing to do absolutely it hasn't led you wrong no not so far. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you consider yourself a shamanic witch. Tell us more. Yeah. Well, look, um, with with shamanic, shamanic has these all these connotations, um, especially with the, you know, the cultural appropriation of a lot of um, traditional ways of doing things, and um, a, a lot of I don't feel comfortable. I, I don't think I'll ever feel comfortable calling myself a shaman. Um, I think I've, for me personally, that is a title that's reserved for people who have been born into a lineage and have been studying from the time that they, you know, were born basically. Um, so uh, I don't, I really don't think that in my opinion that someone can be called that until they've had a lifelong experience doing the work. Um and I, because I work very much with uh, my lineage as well, um, I work with the kind of Celtic side of things, the Nordic side of things, that way of working, that is more witchy anyway. 
Um, That's more that kind of a a vibration. And we have to be really careful about the words we use because they they also have a vibration. So, yeah, so basically I um, work with uh, plants, energy healing, uh, meditation, altered state of consciousness, and um, work with all of those things to help people move through um, what they're dealing with, their traumas, um, and just be able to navigate everyday life. You know, some people come to me for anxiety things. Some people come to me for really big traumas. Some people come to me for house clearings, ceremonies, um, hand fasting, all kinds of things. So it just depends um, on the person. So it's a big range of work, really. Yeah, so you approach healing very intuitively as well, I'm sensing. Very much. Yeah, very much. Um, No two sessions are ever alike. Um, I have one client that has been seeing me for quite some time, um, and uh, she she said to me the other day, she was like, I I still can't believe, like, we've been working together for, like, two years, and no session that we've had is the same. I'm like, no, it's like life, you know. No day is the same. No two days are the same. Yeah, like sometimes I do um, healing and coaching sessions, and yeah. I, kinda, I bring in spirit. And sometimes I'm like, "What even happened here?" Exactly. And I explain to my clients. I say, "Look, this is the brief outline of what's going to happen." But once I open that circle, I have no idea what's going to happen. Especially because I'm calling in their benevolent guardians and guides, their benevolent last will ancestors, mine, and all of them just boss me around. I'm just the container. I haven't. I don't have. I just met, have the ability to pick up things i'm like the the monkey with the matter you know i can move things and do things and whereas they can't in the physical realm so yeah i've had clients say you did such a great job and i'm like yeah i can yeah for being the conduit yeah i um, I, am yeah Yeah. definitely i i always struggle with that one yeah i do i do too so i can Mm. really relate to that yeah, I've got a dear friend of mine who's an um, amazing musician and cre- creative person and he um, he always says, you know, when people get upset about an idea being stolen, you know, it's like, well, it's not really yours. Where you, it's, not, it's not like you made it up. It's like you most of the time it was, you know, it just appeared in your head and it was channeled. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's like a very the, interesting The idea thing. of a muse is not yeah. another person. It's yeah, absolutely spirit. It's actually, exactly. it's a calling from beyond. Yeah. And I know when I'm doing my best work is when I just get out of the way. When I get out of the way and let it come through, then that's when it comes through. And if I, ha- if I set the intention of love and being able to help that person, that's when it will come, always come through. So, yeah. Speaking of love, the, yes. the my motto in this podcast is the only true power. Everything yes, else, absolutely. Everything yes. else is an illusion. Well, that's um, what spirit is. It is love. So, yeah, mm. mm-hmm. and, and since we're going to be talking about relationships, uh, yeah. when Sally and I did the uh, initial meeting when she was in Australia, um, it we brought up the concept of containers, and I said, "Oh my god, yeah. I've been just." talking about that. Mm-hmm. So in finding different ways to kind mend uh, what's been going on, obviously worldwide yeah. in relationships and the breakdown of relationships, um, I'm so excited to, to bring on this concept of containers yeah. as a way to find a different way to heal yeah. significant intimate mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, from my experience, um, uh, 
you know, I've had uh, really crappy relationships, like really terrible relationships that were in the past that were very much just quite reactive to my, you know, belief systems and my what, what was modelled for me as a child and all and societal expectations and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, but uh, in the last kind of couple of years, it's been really beautiful and especially um, kind of now the containers that we create around relationship are incredibly important to be able to, especially if you've got people who are, you know, anxiously attached and all that kind of thing. If, if you can sit there and create a container with that other person and go, hey, this is, this is what we'd like it to be. This is what I want out of it. This is what I want out of it. How can we treat each other in the kindest, gentlest way that we can to be able to move through those things and support each other and um, be constantly checking in with each other that are, are you still okay? Do we need to pull back? Do we need to? And just have that because I think that's extremely important and that's a big thing that's been missing in a lot of people's relationships because then there's that, oh, I don't know if he likes me or, oh, is there something wrong or all of those kinds of things. You you don't end up having to experience. And a lot of the time, those kinds of things are the the types of things that are going to re-traumatize you in a relationship. Yes. And if you don't say anything or you don't know how to communicate it with it, it's communicated energetically. Oh, always. Going, you know, these secrets that you keep, or maybe you don't understand about yourself cause an energetic Mm -hmm. issue in the relationship and it starts breaking down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for, for my, from my perspective, what I used to do is, um, when I was activated and when I was frightened, I would, um, overcompensate and I'd kind of get quite clingy and, and trying to f- try to fix it because that's, you know, a lot of anxiously attached people will try and fix things. Um, and that would end up pushing the person away. So there wasn't actually an original problem. But I, I created the problem. Like I actually, you know, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy that um, when that person, you know, like started to feel, oh, that's a bit much uh, of me going, oh, no, then that's when the problems started to happen. So, yeah, yeah, it's very much like that. Yeah, and talking about attachment styles and it has yeah. a lot to do with trauma. And as mm. I do the work, more and more people not realizing they were traumatized to call them big T's, the big traamas, like war yeah, and, yeah, you, know, yeah. Uh, you know, abuse. And then Ooh. there's the little T's that, that Ooh. add up that cause, yeah. you know, very strong subconscious beliefs and behaviors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about anxiously attached, um, yeah. this is where people get fearful about being abandoned. And yes. they, they they lose themselves in mm-hmm. trying to keep the relationship. Um, and yeah. then sometimes fears come up that are sometimes irrational, but they are in the subconscious, you know, the subconscious um, and dictating those behaviors. Yeah. And just somatically in your body as well, you know, yes. like it's just, it's that, it's that rush of terror that's going to like something's going to be ripped away like you're going to be abandoned and that that sits you know in your solar plexus and like your base as well and all of those kinds of things can really affect like there's that physicality of it if you 
are feeling panicked, um, you, what you can do is you can you can just put your hand on your solar plexus and go, oh, okay, all right, where am I feeling that? And just work with it somatically because that's going to really, really help to move that through and understand what it is. I, I teach my clients the vagal nerve uh, oh, yoga. Perfect. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Breathing is so mm-hmm. simple. And there's a lot of simple things that yeah. you can do with it. But mm-hmm. in your experience with healing, your anxious mm-hmm. attachment tells mm-hmm. me that process. And I'm going to guess it was a lot of the reason for you went in, you were drawn to the shamanic work too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, my very uh, first session that I had, I was shown how much, uh, how connected I was to everything and how much love there was for me in that. And I remember having tears streaming down my face and I was just kept repeating over and over, I had no idea, I had no idea, I had no idea that this was, that this was there. And that was such a key for me because of the lack of safe, connected love that I had um, and that I had experienced. So I learned to find that connection and that safety in myself, in the earth, in the sun, because those things are always there. And that's a big part of my work is reconnecting people back to their elemental nature. So back to the earth, being able to feel the earth. I mean, you know, no matter what we do to her, she's still under our feet every day when we wake up, no matter, you know, what happens in our life, the sun will always rise. And if we can tap into those archetypal images and those energies, so the earth is the mother and the, you know, the sun is the father. If we can use those energies to heal what we've experienced, because a lot of our, a lot of our trauma comes from our primary caregivers. So, you know, we may have had a challenging relationship with mum. We may have had a challenging relationship with dad, but these cosmic parents are always there. And that's what really drew me to this work. And it, yeah. what really stands out is that you really didn't know. No. Exactly, because you don't, you didn't have a different set of parents that you could compare it to. This was no. only upbringing. And I think a lot of people don't know. And it's okay because yeah. um, so many of my clients have said, and I've said, why am I acting like this? I know rationally this is not rational. Yeah. But my feelings and my fears are so intense that I can't help but act like this. Yeah, because you're dealing with a three-year-old. You're actually not dealing with your adult self. You're dealing with a child. So you're going back and you're regressing to, you know, the, the times when you're a child when that happens. So you're working with a child's reasoning. So you're using tools and you're using coping mechanisms and you're actually having a somatic experience as, as a child. So there's, you know, you're not, you're not in, you know, if you're having an argument with your partner and you start being triggered and you start being in, in that space, that's not, that's actually not you. That's, you know, a, one, it's your inner child and two, it's an accumulated, you know, experience of all the times that you felt afraid um, in in that kind of a scenario. So it's um, you're often not dealing with your adult self. You're dealing with a three-year-old, maybe a five-year-old as well, maybe a nine-year-old as well, maybe a 13-year-old, all those those young parts of you 
and that's where you know it's it's interesting to start bringing things like soul retrieval in that we've you know like lost those parts of ourselves because they're so stuck in that so integrating those parts of ourselves so that's another thing like parts therapy is amazing as well so i like to work with um therapeutic uh, practices as well as shamanic kind of mushed in all together because I think it's important to work with the the yang the masculine mind and and the feminine energy body you know yeah I think our masculine and feminine have yeah. gotten so out of balance too given the way the relationships are moving and the way that we're supposed to fit in certain roles and oh yeah yeah, it, it's really and you know realizing that both both masculine and feminine are damaged because of what how we're handling it and what Ooh. we have to do. What are, what do are you think? Yeah. Well, I know for myself that um, in relationship, I do like to take a more feminine role, like that more um, kind of home homemaker, nurturer. Um, you know, the, the magic of the feminine, um, you know, and it's, we've got to be careful, um, not to look at kind of outdated, um, a lot of people think they're outdated ideas of the masculine and feminine and make sure that we're not kind of throwing babies out with bathwater. You know, it's um, when you have that working together. So kind of my ideal relationship is that um, I kind of am happy to have the space held around me so I can work my feminine yes, magic, yes. you know. And I think that's really important. And I think it's really important for the masculine to be able to come and rest with the feminine. So it's it's a real we whilst yes we absolutely need to make sure that we have equality and include people like transgender non-binary you know like the, the whole thing the whole spectrum and people will lean towards more things just depending on their own systems and how they are within themselves but I think it's very important that if we're not balanced with that within ourselves there's no way we're going to be able to do it outside either. So it's it's a kind of microcosm, macrocosm. If we can't get it right on the inside, we're not going to get it right on the outside and vice versa. Yeah, and our wounded inner child really messes with that too because if you can't yeah. heal the inner child, you're not going to be able to heal these adult parts of you either. No, absolutely not. Yeah, definitely. It's, so it's it's all kind of, it's quite holistic you have to be working quite holistically with these things yeah, yeah. so speaking of the container and I think you kind yeah. of in that is in what you were describing the mm-hmm. masculine holds the energy so the female yeah. can hold the nurturing energy and it goes yet it goes around the balance of the yin and yang energy yeah and absolutely and when we were talking about the muse before you know the um that kind of flow comes through and that's that's very feminine. That's the very feminine part of um, creation. It's the very feminine part of um, just moving through the world. And then the yang is, you know, out there penetrating, doing doing all the things and putting the things and building them together. That's, that's the masculine. So, you know, the masculine doesn't know what to build without the feminine flow. And the feminine flow would just f- flow everywhere without having the structure of the masculine to build it. 
So it's, and you know, you can call it masculine, feminine, you can call it yin yang, you can do whatever, but it's those, it's the expressive energy out and the, and the um, receiving energy in. Yeah. And I don't know about in Australia, but in the US, it's like those qualities aren't deemed as good as the masculine qualities and no or like no. look at look how busy I am look at all yeah. I do and I'm like but then you need that time to incubate yeah. your ideas and not to let go like you said yeah. to release and let go and allow the spirit to bring in imagination and yes absolutely and day yeah. you know, and daydreaming and all those things and then bring it to action, and, and, and it's a cycle. It is. It definitely is. And um, and it's and like the container of a relationship, you know, and like those kind of constant checking ins. You have to do that with yourself. You have to be able to do that with yourself. You have to be able to go, okay, am I like, am I pushing too hard here? You know, this time of year tends to be a time of year where everyone's quite exhausted. I mean, like we've had a hell of a couple of years with everything that's been going on. So everyone's even more exhausted. And then now we've got the exhaustion of, you know, like, you know, more variants coming out. We've got the exhaustion of Christmas. And a lot of people will be burning out around this time and not creating that container for themselves to be able to just sink in. Yeah, I've noticed people being more cranky than usual. And granted, yeah. last year we didn't go out and we ordered everything online, but going yeah. out to the post office and going out to the different people and mm-hmm. driving, like in parking lots, people are just – and the feeling I'm getting is it's like um, they're fearful and they're stressed out, so they become self-important. Mm. So ego kind of takes over and it's yeah. like – everybody else is their obstacle rather than working together. And I see that as a, you know, as another, like if we put that in a container, these people need a hug more than anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, you know, um, dropping out of that kind of, and then being able to go into that feminine. So what I teach my students and, um, and also my clients is that, when you are in that mind loop, when we're, when you're in that, you cannot stop your mind going. We need to get you out of your masculine side of your brain because they're trying that masculine side of the brain is trying to fix things. It's trying to like you know like fix the thing and build the thing. But you, we need to get you into your feminine side of your brain, into the sensory. So you know, the feminine side is in charge of the receiving, but she's also in charge of the um, sensory. So if we can activate our sensory body in those moments, then we're actually going to calm our system down. So it's it's a really beautiful practice to be able to do those things, to be able to, you know, have a bath, um, uh, just smell some essential oils. You know, I tell people if you are really, really, really stuck, if you are looping hard or having a panic attack, put your hand in a bucket of ice water, you will not be able to think about anything else because it'll be so cold. So if we can pull ourselves out of the masculine and into the feminine side of our brain, that will allow our body to just go, and you will feel it. You will absolutely feel that point where your body will drop into the feminine. Yes. And I, I yeah. funny this season, I, I teach that a lot more than, yeah. than normal. And I, you mm-hmm. know, in talking about sensory and I'm thinking about, well, how will people know? 
if they're looping around in the mind, they're going so fast. I say, well, check in with your body. What's going on with your body? It never lies. It'll tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. If, Absolutely, if always. Stay, and that's that's a way of staying with the masculine and feminine too. Yeah. And people like it's like they'll go and go and go and go until they they burn out. But mm-hmm. you know, where's the where do you feel the entry point is to kind of stop that looping? I think it's different for a lot of people. Um, uh, so for me for personally for me in my journey this this whole um what we're talking about now is exactly why i started my journey in the first place because once upon a time i was in advertising and marketing and i was working from seven o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night i was working in the music industry so i was going out to concerts and then i was going to after parties and my entire existence revolved around my um, my work and that's where I held my sense of identity and um, uh, if I, the, my good enough monster, you know, like the, the busy monster, I'm, I have to be do all the things and be all the things, you know. And it got to a point where I actually hospitalised myself twice with exhaustion and the second time I pulled the drip out of my arm to go back to work. And when I was doing that, I thought there's something not right here. <laughs> You know, well, that you were in such masculine energy, and that's what exactly with women who yeah. take on this masculine. We're not meant to take it on. We're, you know, we're, mm. you know, to have balance with it, but we're, you know, we can't have the yeah. can't beat them, join them attitude because we're going to get burnt out. And the thing is, you know, I think a lot of the feminine magic has been lost because. We've had this thing where we've gone for equality, and which is great, amazing. Equality is incredible. But we were already equal. Our power was just very different. It was a very different type of power. So we've lost that feminine by trying to be the masculine and trying to, you know, like just really strive constantly. And I think that's actually very sort of um, uh, indicative of the way that we interact with the earth as well, you know. We're just, we keep pushing and we keep mining and we keep all the environmental stuff. We keep doing this, all this stuff. And it's exactly what we were doing to ourselves. What we, it's again, microcosm, macrocosm. You can draw it all back to those two things. It's attack on the divine feminine, which is Gaia. Mm. Absolutely, definitely, you know, and um, you just think about um, how much we are, you know, squandering resources and all that kind of stuff. And then if you can run that along the line of the treatment of the feminine throughout history um, and, you know, the rapes, the, you know, of all the, the femicides, the, all of that, it all links in together. And this is something that kind of people may not see that we and this is the connection that we have with the earth with the elements with the world with nature with magic we are nature we're not above it we are part of that massive macrocosm so everything that happens within us is going to happen externally because it's how we externalize into the world yeah so healing through that and finding that balance. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And then what do you think about already being healed? I know a lot of people say, I want to be healed before I get into a relationship. It's never going to happen. Stop. Well, also, there's <laughs> you're not going to heal about mm. relationships until you're in a relationship. But yeah. that's why the importance of um, knowing thyself and your traumas and your yeah. reactions and mm. your what you need is so important. And you're not, you're right, you're not going to get triggered um, with your relationship stuff, not being in a relationship. So that's one thing. And the other thing we need to stop is this, that there is an end point yes. to this work. Yes. There, it's never going to end. Like, and I, like, I see people go, oh, I can't believe I'm back here again. And, yes. you know, I'm, I'm back at this point again. I thought I'd heal. Doesn't happen. Yeah, we don't judge themselves when another layer comes up, and I exactly and that's what I tell tell people too that we are layers of an onion, and mm-hmm. as we grow, we're going to grow more, and that's, yeah. that's why we're here. That's why yeah. we're here on Earth. I think, yeah, absolutely, to have the potential to learn and grow. Yeah, and it's more about um, being able to know yourself, like you were saying, know yourself enough to go, oh, oh, there's that thing again. Oh, okay, all right. So, and then having the tools to navigate it when it does come up. So, you know, I, you know, there is, you know, you can come from, you know, like having an anxious attachment or avoidant attachment and come into a secure attachment. That's absolutely you can. But coming into that secure attachment isn't healing and getting rid of it. It's coming into that secure attachment is coming into it and knowing what your triggers are, how to navigate those triggers and being able to express those um, those things to a partner and have that communication and go, here, this is, you know, these, this is my stuff. Basically, what we need to be doing in when we're starting a relationship is going, here's my stuff. Yeah. This is my stuff. And this happens when this happens. And this happens when this happens. And if you could help me out, and I'm going to, I'm going to be um, very much self-regulating with this. And if you can help me out by just even knowing that, knowing my things, my, my biggest belief is that the most beautiful thing, the most beautiful love language that we can have with our partner is to know their stuff and to be able to nurture their inner child and know what is going to be triggering for them and what is not. And not so much um, we don't have to completely alter the way we are and completely alter our behaviour and all of that kind of stuff, but just being mindful of it and going, oh, of course, that thing triggers. Um, maybe I can, you know, go and bring her a cup of tea or bring him, you know, give him a cuddle or, you know, those, those kinds of things, you know, knowing that you don't have to take responsibility for that other person's trigger to be there for them. And I, and I think people unconsciously are very selfish when it comes to the list. I want this and I want that. Yeah. And with online dating, there's so many options. So if mm. somebody brings up something for you, you can go, okay, next. Yeah. Or you yeah. can start another relationship while you're in that. So that's part of the container is agree mm-hmm. to be in it, to stay in it and not abandon the relationship. Yeah, I had, um, I just before we um, jumped on, I was looking on Facebook and someone said, um, 
uh, describe love in one word. And for me, it's devotion. You know, devotion for me is such a broad term. It's devotion in, you know, um, because I choose to be in a monogamous relationship, but that's how my system works best. I completely understand other people it doesn't and that's awesome for them but for me I need to be in a monogamous relationship it's just how I roll um and so that kind of a devotion that that commitment that and it doesn't even have to be even if you're not in a monogamous relationship the commitment to that person how they need to be you know in in relationship so um devotion as in you know, you can work with devotion through your whole life. Devotion is all about the joy of giving mm-hmm. and the joy of um, honouring. Like I've had um, with a lover of mine, um, uh, it was very much about touch. And um, and I love, I love to give touch because it, it makes me feel good to give touch. So that worked really, really well, you know, like and then that's a devotional thing. Like and they were like, oh, you know, it's too much. And I'm like, no, I love, I love to be able to do that. I love it's, it makes me feel good because, um, that kind of act of devotion is, is how I love. So yeah, devotion is a massive, massive thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you're talking kind of, I think about touch and love languages and, mm-hmm. and knowing what, does please your partner and you have to be vulnerable in order to get yeah. I think a lot of people are waiting and I think of the masculine and feminine with the wounded masculine mm-hmm. being victims and feeling emasculated and then yeah. the woman having to pick up the masculine but she's like mm-hmm. they're wanting you know the masculine's wanting her to be vulnerable so he can you know, be masculine. They're, they're both kind of sitting there and waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It, it's vulnerability on both sides. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, knowing yourself, knowing what you need and being vulnerable enough to put it in the container and share it with your partner. Yeah, absolutely. Vulnerability is the number one. You have to be able to go there. If you want a connection that is, um, you know, beyond surface level, beyond, and that is going to help nurture you through your triggers. You have to have that vulnerability. You can't expect them to be mind readers either. You know, you have to go, this is my stuff. Like this is, this is where I'm at. And, you know, and having that agreement that, oh, okay, I understand that that's where you're at. And how can we work this in a way that's going to make you feel safe and supported? in in what we're experiencing because that's all you know all we're all after is love safety and you know that being able to just drop in we're all so desperate to just be able to drop into a level that we feel safe at and that can't happen without vulnerability and women do want that you know, yeah. the women I work with and the men too. Yeah. They want to be vulnerable. They want to be able to drop in and be able to relax mm-hmm. and quit their, you know, working how many hours and, uh, mm-hmm. and not that they have to give that up, but yeah. finding balance with that. And, and do you know what's terrifying? Oh, sorry. Continue. No, go ahead. You know, what's um, crazy and terrifying about that is now um, that we've gone so far the other way that if a woman expresses that, 
she gets like stomped on. Like if, if a woman says, I want to be a housewife, <laughs> you know, if I want to be able to, because it's, that's not just sitting on your ass watching soaps all day. You know, you, you are creating the magic in the home. You are like creating the environment. There's a beautiful thing with the, um, the uh, Jewish wedding ceremony that I was told about this by a friend. And, um, the, um, the bride will walk around the groom three times to signify she's looking after, I, th- I believe it's, um, home, the children and him, you know, so, so that's her, her version of protection is that whereas he his version of protection is looking after the whole and creating the space around it and being able to provide for it and um i just can't believe that you know poor like women who are wanting to you know step into more traditional roles are getting chastised about it well because and and i'm no words are coming up like gold yeah. digger like, oh, yeah. you want me because I have money. Or then if you're vulnerable and say, hey, I need you to do this, then you're needy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. That's it. So, you know, I I feel like, um, and this is within ourselves too. I agree. It's not just relationship. You know, we've got to be able to have our masculine within ourselves, whether you're a, a man or a woman, be able to hold that container around our creativity, around our spirit, around our sensory system. We have to be able to learn how to do that. So, yeah. And if you think of intimate relationships are in the mm-hmm. same chakra, in the second chakra, where creativity is. Exactly. Where abundance exactly. is. And there's mm-hmm. no, you know, I don't think people connect it. Relationships yeah. are creative. It's a, absolutely. you know, it's co-creative too. Exactly. That's it. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah. using a container. So I kind mm. of pour yourself first in getting beyond the fear yeah. of looking at these wounded parts of yourself Yeah. and healing them and knowing they're going to come up again when you're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, then you can know what to warn your partner about or let yeah. them, you know, however you want to do that. But then also accepting their vulnerabilities and their childhood wounds too. Because sometimes if we don't know our wounds, somebody else's wounds is going to scare us too. Exactly. And looking at the innocence of that person as well, I think is really important. You know, we have to be able to look at the innocence of that person that they're not behaving in that way to hurt us. You know, they're, they're not, they are a lot of the time just learning how to work with their own systems. Um, and I think there's a very much, like you were saying before, there's a very much a culture of first, see the first thing and run, you know, like it's like, okay, well, become, why don't you become curious about that? Say, hey, this, this, that, what, what just ex- uh, transpired? Well, what does that remind you of? Is there an experience that you had that was similar to that? And just become curious with your partner and supportive and ask questions. And, you know, some people might not want to talk about it, but um, just you, you can at least say, hey, I'm open to talking about, you know, what, why this has happened, you know, and just not always assuming the worst of people. And not judging your own self. Yes. Oftentimes the parts that you suppress or the parts that 
felt judged. And oh, then yeah. as an adult, you take on and continue to judge those feelings and mm-hmm. those wounded parts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, again, going back to the people that kind of go, oh, I thought I was done with this. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that idea of, you know, having getting to a finish line. There is no finish line. There is the, you know, the way that we need to look at it more is, is learning how to support those parts of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's about relationship with yourself and then others too. Yeah, and you know what? The, um, the, I found I started having healthy relationships when, and it's this old adage and everyone's heard it, you know, you can't love at someone else until you lo- learn to love yourself, you know, and it's really annoyingly true. You know, you, you have to be able to go, if a trigger comes up, you have to be able to hold yourself in that. You have to be able to have the tools to self-soothe through that. Because it's not the other person's job to fix that. Because 99% of the time it was actually not um, a, an issue in the first place. Like I, I had a situation just even with, you know, like it wasn't even a partner. It was, you know, like family stuff was coming up. And I was like, oh, and my friend was like, I don't, what's, what's the problem? What's the problem there? And it wasn't until they said that that I was like, it's actually not a problem. It was it was a preconceived problem that I had made up in my head from, you know, like stuff, like old stuff. When we have a trigger come up, it's historical. 99% of that is historical. It's not in the present moment. It seemed, it feels like, and especially the closer you are to people, yeah. the more fear you have of being abandoned by them or being mm-hmm. judged by them. So when things do come up, you know, it, you know, it feels like it's them. Yeah. Doing yeah. It. it really does. And I said, you know what? Yes. But feelings aren't always fact here. So yeah, take a little space. And the same goes for putting um, your happiness in the hands of someone else. Like that's, you know, it's crazy. And, and thinking, you know, that I love, um, there's a Trevor Hall song that he did with uh, East Forest, I believe. And, um, and it's the lyrics are, you know, my love is just a reminder, um, find your center, you know, that person's love is just a reminder of the love you need to find in yourself. So find your center. You have to find your center and you may not need to be able to have that all sorted before you get in a relationship, but what you need to have gotten sorted is have the tools to be able to deal with things when they come up. And have the self-responsibility, yeah. Yeah, sometimes these triggers do not go away. No. But they can they can be soothed if you know what they are. Um, and, and if you don't, like, it reminds me of a story of a yeah. man who put his hand on his girlfriend's knee and she would panic and move away. And his interpretation of it is like, well, she doesn't like to be touched by me. Yeah. But it yeah. was it was a trauma trigger um, of being touched on the knee. And then when she was able to kind of come back down and sort it out and explain it to him, that yeah. then those misunderstandings and assumptions mm-hmm. get, get ironed out. And so much of the time it is a misunderstanding, you know, with that kind of thing, with any kind of upset, you know. It's, it's we like to attach a 
current day situation to, especially if we're hypervigilant, you know, if we've, we've created hypervigilance from as a child to be able to navigate an unsafe environment, what happens then, <laughs> excuse me, is that we become very um, uh, alert to things happening that might just be a tiny little bit like that and going, oh, that's exactly like that, so oh, I have to panic now. But we don't. You know, it's like we're sometimes it has nothing to do with that whatsoever. And our triggers get more and more pronounced the more we push them down. Oh, God, yes. And so those little things, each time something reminds you of something, you blow up more and more because it's 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 giving you an opportunity to heal it rather than thinking it's a your tr- your trigger's a bad thing or your emotional response. Yeah. It's the body saying, Okay, look, this is what's up and let's let's heal it. And that's what I say about anxiety with people as well, you know. Um and anxiety is actually trying to do us a really beautiful service. It's actually trying to tell us something's out of whack. You need to slow down and you need to figure it out and you need to sit with it and go, okay, where is it? And again, that somatic work, where is it in my body? What does it feel like? Does it have a color? Does it, you know, all of that kind of stuff because it's trying to tell you that something is not working properly, that you are pushing too hard in a certain area, that you have um, self-abandoned in another area. These are things that will often come up with anxiety. And how do you tell, teach your clients how to tell their significant others or people close to them about mm-hmm. their triggers? It's practice. Mm-hmm. It's practice being vulnerable, practicing being vulnerable. I mean, uh, we are not taught in this society to be vulnerable. Um, so it can feel really frightening especially if you are um, highly reactive in relationship or have a very, very active, you know, um, attachment. And it's just really honestly, it's practice. And I highly recommend, and this is not saying that you can't, you know, start when you're already in a relationship, but I highly recommend for your listeners out there who are getting into a relationship to practice this when they're going out on dates, when they're starting to get to know someone. Because if you are out on a date with someone, don't go in all guns blazing on the first date, but if you are going, okay, I can probably see that there might be something with this person here. If you can't have that conversation with that person, if that person balks at it, that's not someone you want to be in a relationship with. Exactly. So it kind of ends up working out the more authentic you are and exactly more yeah more you role model mm-hmm. you want to be at the out the gate in a relationship yeah. is the best you're right that is great advice yeah so it's just if i um heard a story about a woman that um had been through a lot of relationship stuff and um she she did it on the first date she went to the first date and went here's my stuff here's what i'm looking for is this you? And the dude went, yeah. And they got married and it was just like, he was super, super up for it. She said, I can't, I'm at a point where I can't do this and I can't do that anymore. And I really need support in this. And this is what I want to give as well. She was very much, this is what is important for me. 
And I've had that too. I've had a sitting down and going, here's what I need out, out of a relationship. What do you need out of a relationship? Okay, great. That really fits really well. Okay, so let's put in some structure around that. What do you need to be able to feel safe in this? Okay, you need that. All right, I need this. All right, that's great. And putting in the rule that we always check in with each other, you know, and just allow and allowing it to flow. Putting, see, this is the masculine and the feminine at work here. It just goes back to everything. Having that structure around so then you can flow through it. And so in our romanticized idea with movies and music, Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to age myself, but the 70s songs I listen to, I'm like, relationships are going to be easy. These guys are fawning and they just, yeah. fought, you know, they were, it was so sappy and they were yeah. you know, so in love. And I'm like, oh, what's the big deal about relationships? And then I'm like, you know, then I step out dating in the eighties and I'm like, you're not like that. This isn't yeah. like that. And yeah. And it's not just about feeling well, when Mm. I feel it, I'll know it. It's not just about feeling. It's Mm. a mixture between head and heart and saying, okay, well, gosh, I feel this way. Let me check Mm. in to see if it'll be a match Mm -hmm. for what I need in a relationship. And relationships are work too, you know, that they are constant work. And if you're not up for the work, then you're not up for a relationship because it's just going to end up as two traumatized people. They could just playing out their, you know, psychodrama from their trauma history. And I really think that the speed at which we go in relationships these days really needs to have a bit of a look at it because that courtship isn't there anymore. It is gone. It's gone. And for me, the best relationships I've had have been where I've been friends with someone for a very long time, you know. I've been friends with them first and then we know each other. And this is, you know, then you inherently know their stuff because, you know, you've been friends with them and you've worked, like, you know, you've seen them when they're, you know, like in their, you know, dirty, like grubby house clothes and, you know, having a bit of a mental breakdown over something and you've seen that. You've been there for that. You've experienced that with them. So you know that about them already. And having that that beautiful courtship of getting to know someone before immediately jumping into bed, before immediately getting into a relationship is so important. It's so important. I agree. I was actually just telling telling on my dating life i was just on the phone with the the guy that i just met and yeah. he's like um you know so you know do you kiss on the first date i'm like not really and i'm like yeah. he goes so you don't have sex on the first date i'm like no and he's like oh okay well nice meeting you you know yeah. i i don't understand it no and and it's I think this is where we can go wrong a lot of the time because, and not saying that casual sex is a bad thing and not like, absolutely not. But if you are looking for something solid in a a long-term relationship, you need to be able to 
get to a vulnerable stage both in your emotional state and your sexual state. You know, you have to be vulnerable in both of those things. If you're just vulnerable in your sexual state, you're not going to be upheld in your emotive things with that. So it's getting to getting to those vulnerable places, getting to that trust, and then you're going to have better sex anyway. Oh, you, know? I, I, you know, that's exactly what I was thinking when I was on the phone. And right yeah. now, I'm like the buildup of getting to know someone and yeah. things unfold and, mm-hmm. you know, and then the feminine daydreaming and thinking about it. And that's where women's sexuality gets gets triggered in all exactly. that, that totally. fantasizing about it and, mm-hmm. you know, and building up to it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I just think uh, with, for you know, for all the progress that we've made, um, I think it's, it's, we just make sure, need to make sure that we're pulling those babies back out of the bathwater, you know, yeah, and, and making sure. That, it, and it's for those feminists out there, it's not about going back. Oh God, no, no, like 1940s or 1950s. Cause we can't. the world no. is a different place, but it's about honoring the divine masculine and the divine feminine and the, inner, the beautiful interplay with it. Mm-hmm. And the men I've been connected with that have fallen into that beautiful masculine holding for me have been the biggest feminists I've ever met. Right. Yes. They are the biggest feminists I've ever met because they are upholding that magic of the feminine and allowing her to feel safe to open. Exactly. And that's where our magic is, in the opening and the receiving and the creation and the, you know, nurturing and the, like all of, all of that is our magic. And we can do that best. We can open best when we feel safe and protected. So... I love that. Let's, I love that theme. Let's bring the magic back to relationships. Absolutely. Definitely. Thank you so much, Sally. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, my pleasure. How can people reach you or get a hold of you or follow you? Uh, You can uh, find me on uh, just uh, Facebook, just under my name, um, Sally Horobin. So that's H-O-R-R-O-B-I-N or um, www.emergingearth.com.au um, and Instagram, it's emerging um, underscore earth 88. Awesome. Well, thank mm. you so much. Thank you. Oh, and um, I have some mentorships coming up um, in the new year. So um, have a look at those on my website there. And where are those listed? Uh, they're, um, yeah, they're listed on my website. Um, you'll see Mentorships 2022. And so they'll be launching in January and February. And Sally, thank you so much for taking the time as you've been globetrotting. Around. <laughs> my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It was lovely chatting to you. 